0: Mike Ling.
1: And I'm Charles Lee,
0: and you're listening to the Grok Science Show.
1: That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mark J. Wilson will join us to discuss the property species.
0: So stay tuned for all of this,
1: plus the Grokatron 5000,
0: and our world-famous question a week.
1: Coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show. The Grox Science Show. Well, property. What is it, and why does our species have it? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Professor Bart J. Wilson, Professor Wilson is the Donald P. Kennedy Endowed Chair in Economics and Law at Chapman University. He is a founding member of the Economic Science Institute and founding member and director of the Smith Institute for Political Economy and Philosophy. His research uses experimental economics to explore the foundations of exchange, specialization, and the origins of property. He has published numerous papers in both popular and scientific works, including the American Economic Review, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, and the Proceedings of the Royal Society B. by biological sciences. He has penned the new book, The Property Species, Mine, Yours, and the Human Mind. Professor Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok's Science Show. Thank you for having me. Well, it is certainly our pleasure. Certainly a great book you've put together here, The Property Species, where you explore the origins of property. I'm curious why you decided to put this book together.
0: Well, I stumbled into working on property by accident. As an experimental economist, I build virtual world models of how the economy works. And my co-authors and I were interested in how people might build a market from the ground up. And so we built this virtual world, participants or undergraduates come to participate in them and they make money based upon the decisions they make. In this particular world that we created, we given them the ability to produce goods in a field and then they had a house and then if the items were moved into the house, they would earn some money based upon how many items they had there at the end of the, end of the day. And we didn't tell them as part of the experiment that they could move items to other people. So they had to figure out on their own just by playing around in the virtual world that they could basically trade stuff. And that idea behind that was to see, well, then if when they figure that out, can they also f- discover that, well, some people are good at producing one good and other people producing the other good? And can they discover the trade and the specialization and, and basically create a, a, a prosperous economy from, from their own discoveries? As part of publishing that process, we, you know, working through trying to think, understand how some economies were prosperous and others were not, we realized that we had a basic assumption built into the into the world, namely that they couldn't move things from other uh, people's houses and fields into their own. And so we thought, what would happen if we just made that little change? And what happened was all hell breaks loose. People are taking things from all over the place. It was really chaotic. And our undergraduate participants are civilized people. Like what we were really kind of taken aback here that that, that things fell apart so quickly and easily. And so we tried helping them out, giving them some tools to exclude people and punish people and things like that. And none of that really made it work. And so it got me thinking, well, what really makes us understand and respect property? How does that work? So, I started reading about property from all over from the humanities and anthropology to, to uh, law, philosophy, and, and biology, and realized that people have, in these different fields, very different concepts and ways of thinking about how property works, some of them conflicting. So, in the humanities, property is this modern and it's Western European construction. And if you talk to people in biology, all sorts of Animals have property. It's generally about the defense of food, mates, and territory. So, scrub jays will rehide their food caches if another scrub jay is watching them. As soon as the watcher goes away, they rehide it. Baboons seem to respect the property of all these other harems of females. And so, you see biologists saying, Lots of animals have property and in humanities and in in cultural anthropology. Only some people have property. Like, how do we reconcile this? They think about property differently. As a social scientist, I kind of take a tackle right down the middle that's going to make none of those people happy. (laughs) But I'm going to, and I argue that property is something that is universally human. So all humans have it. Only human beings have it. So once we realize that, we can then start to understand what makes basically humans exceptional on the planet, why we're able to extend our lives, our lifespans, why is it that we can live more comfortable lives than we were 200-some years ago, and that property is the key necessary ingredient for that to come about.
1: Why other animals wouldn't have this concept or this need to have property?
0: Well, the trick is to understand where property comes in its origins, not in its effects. So humans are like all other animals. If people are gonna try to take something from us, we're gonna react negatively to that and and we'll map out territories. But we do some things with tools that other animals don't. Now lots of animals have make use tools. You know, digger wasps will use a pebble and they'll hammer. But we make tools that are for use way in the future, not just right here and here and now. And we put different pieces together, and make these compound tools of different pieces. And as part of that process, we then think about those things differently, not just right here, right now, but in the future. There's something about a thing that we've created, we create a spear, that other people recognize as being connected to me. And so the key is to understand how human beings perceive that physical thing itself, that is going to get off, get off the ground how the whole custom of how respecting things that you make and that I make. And so non-humans don't have these things that persist into the future. In fact, there isn't a future in a way for, for other non-human, non-human animals. They can't think outside the here and now. And it's that outside the here and now that property isn't just for the moment, it's not to keep you away from my, from my nest or from my mate or from this food that I've created. It's for you to respect it in the, down the road so that I can use it and make, make use of it for other things. So it's how I perceive the physical object itself that makes property different in humans. And so it might have the same effects around the world, but in the, when we look at things and we see things differently, I argue that's what makes property special. And that's done through the powers of our symbolic minds that give us language.
1: So we, in a sense, have to imbue some object with a value throughout time in order for it to then have some essence of, of being property.
0: Yes, it's not just like the physical characteristics of it, but we also has this connection that I call it mind. And, and think of it as the corresponding ideas that have this body. All human societies have this concept of an eye. There's even some evidence that you, in apes that they recognize themselves as an individual and the elephants as well, that there's a sense of an eye. And we have that in our body. So if you take this body, you move it around, I go with it. Well, if I create a tool and I put some of myself into that tool in a way, then when that thing moves around, the idea that it's mine goes with it. And so think of this kind of work with a, with a cane, the idea that if you close your eyes and you knock around, you feel the world, the leg of the table through the cane. But what you're actually getting the sensations is the handle in your hand. And so our mind reorganizes what we're, what we're feeling to feel like we're feeling through the particular canes. So that's, this tool is part of me in a way. And the remarkable thing about humans is I can put that tool down and I can still be in it. Other people are going to look around and look at that thing and recognize it as being connected to me, even though I don't physically have that connection. And that's the beginning of property that I can put myself into things. And then the other part is that we can recognize that if something is mine, that I also, if I want you to recognize that, I need to recognize the things you call mine as well. And so property isn't just about mine, it kind of gets this sense of being selfish or exclusionary. Property is embedded in me recognizing other people's things as theirs, as well as they recognizing the things that I claim as mine. And that's what's unique about humans. Other animals don't seem to have that ability. And I would argue it's because they can't think outside the here and now with an abstract concept of mine.
1: It also relies on an individual respecting the boundary of what is someone else's and not willing to cross that boundary.
0: Right. And that's what we teach our kids every kid has to learn those boundaries. They're not born with it. Every kid will learn that concept of mine. I don't think many parents actually sit down with their kids and say, no, grab this and say mine. They do that all on their own. They pick up on that word. But what we teach them is when they can't say that. And what are those rules and which things count as things that you can claim as mine? And when can you count them as mine? And then that process is involved with, well, with this, dealing with other people. It's not just about them. It's about how they play, get along with their friends on the playground. And that, again, is also, I would argue, different in humans. When we think about this notion of things, is that we have to teach this notion. And we teach it with this abstract idea of don't steal. That applies to things on the playground or things in everyday life all over the place. And it's an abstract as opposed to something very concrete this food right here, this nest right here, this territory right here.
1: One can see how this would rely on closely with language and having to be able to claim that as mon.
0: Yes. Yeah. In fact, yes, you have, if you don't have property until you make a claim, you have, you have to say it out loud in a sense. And if you say it out loud, then other people can hear you and they're going to decide whether or not you, the circumstances are such that you can say that or not. And then that's, the beginning of it. We don't have to say it out loud, then we can start marking things. So, you know, Native Americans mark their arrows and their spears and things like that to recognize these things. You mark animals, you know, you, we put brands on them or um, swans in England in the Elizabethan times, they would mark the beaks and in, in the, in the feet like that to recognize those as being somebody claiming them as mine. And that works the same way as basically saying out loud, this is mine. And the connection to that is what then makes economics possible. If you think of economics as what makes trade possible, that no other animal trades one thing for another thing. We'll trade, other animals will trade favors. They'll trade sex for food and things like that. But they don't say trade an iPhone for an iPad. They won't do anything like that. They won't trade foods, even if they um, like these foods better. I work with primatologists at, at Georgia State. They've tried their darndest to get chimpanzees to trade, and, and they won't. And the reason why is because you have to be able to get trade off the ground. You have to say, this thing is not mine. This is yours. And I say that out loud, and they'll say the same thing, and now we can trade. But I have to change the physical, make, change how we perceive the physical thing as this is no longer mine, it's yours. The thing physically is exactly the same, but those magic waves, the sound waves that came out of my mouth have changed the object itself and all the people around who, who watch it happen. And that's how you get economics now that we can start trading things and doing things that no other animal does. The key thing here is that when I make a claim of this is mine and I use this symbolic thought, it matters not just right here, right now. It matters, I expect it going forward. I expect to change your way you view the world going forward. Whereas when any other animal, kind of, you know, a wolf marks its territory with, with the urine, that's just smelling it. When you, another wolf comes up there, it smells it. It says now don't go here. Or if you know you're going here, you're, you're going to get into a fight. And it's not about what happens in the future. It's about what's happening right here, right now. And so the, the minds of our, of our, when we became fully symbolic, allowed us to put, kind of do all these fancy things with the world of physical objects.
1: You can have different values placed on different properties over time.
0: Exactly. That then we, perceive, we can perceive stuff differently, And but the key part is we recognize it as belonging to someone else so that we don't get into a fight over it. Because that's ultimately what property is about, that we're not going around just taking stuff from other people, that I have to respect your stuff and you have to respect, respect mine. If not, we're getting into fights. And this is the part that's connected to the rest of natural history in that The whole reason why bucks don't always get into fights is because it's dangerous and it's best for them to come up with these little customs of checking each other out, pacing back and forth before they actually engage their antlers. But a lot of them don't even do that. They just look at do the pacing and then the whole thing breaks off. So it's designed to keep keep them from fighting, except when they have like both of them think they can beat the other one. Property does the same thing. It's designed to keep us, keep us peacefully, not just collecting stuff you know, like a two-year-old does, claims everything it sees. If they see it, it's mine. If I had it in my hand before, it was mine. That's human base impulse, all animals' impulse. If the stuff is out there, I want to grab it, and something has to keep us from doing that. For us, it's an abstract idea that it belongs to someone else and that it keeps the peace if we respect that.
1: You can trade and advance technology through these sort of arrangements.
0: Well, right. Now, we, now we're not just putting property in tools that we make. We literally put property in ideas. <laughs> we claim that I came up with this idea, we give you this, this is yours. But here's the conflict for the, for the modern conflict. Why does that not does, does that work in the same way? It's because it doesn't have the same kind of physical boundaries that a thing does, like a, like a spear. But we still use the idea of mind around an idea and claim it, and we call it intellectual property. The tension is that it doesn't have a boundary. So if I create a spear and I mark it, I know where that spear ends, and I know exactly kind of all of what's involved if somebody's making a claim on it. But ideas don't have those same boundaries. (laughs) And that's where the whole fight is and trying to understand what are the boundaries of intellectual property. Our minds are kind of Built out of 100,000 years of symbolic thought, we apply the idea from the physical world of things to the abstract world of ideas, but it's going to have some tensions and slippage, and that's kind of where we get some conflicts.
1: Your book closes with on that issue of the title, Economics is Found on Property But Not Property Rights.
0: (laughs) Right. The idea is that economists tend to think like property is rights, you know, right to use this, right to do that. And what I want you to get people to think about is it kind of works the other way, (laughs) that we have this notion of mine, and we have this notion of yours, and we learn the rules by which that happens. And out of that everyday use, then we can define what we might call a right to exclude. And so it's built on mine and thine that makes trade possible, and then we – have all the world gives us these different circumstances and we create this well you have a right to mine the soil but you don't have the right to build on top of the soil things like that and that would be the case for like there'll be blood the movie is built on this idea that you can suck oil from all over the ground but you can't touch the houses on top of it economics is built on trying to recognize those boundaries of that's yours and that's mine and if we don't infringe on that and we're at peace, then we can be productive and do lots of things for the rest of humanity, not just ourselves.
1: Well, a great perspective on property. Uh, We aren't really slated out of time, though, but I'm curious if maybe you just have some final words regarding your book, The Property Species. What do you like people to take home from reading the book?
0: That its property is a wonder of the natural world, and that its purpose is peace, which makes it necessary for human flourishing. So don't take it for granted.
1: We were just talking with Professor Bart J. Wilson, his new book, The Property Species, Mine, Yours, and the Human Mind. Professor Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grox Science Show.
0: Thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grox Science Show. Make
1: sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology.
0: If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at grox.net. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Ling.
1: And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grocks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.
0: Thank you.